Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm here with Doug and Mike, and I want to just re- begin just by reading a definition of the word grit before we get going today. In psychology, grit is a positive, non-cognitive trait based on an individual's perseverance of effort combined with the passion of a particular long-term goal or end state. This is what grit is, and that's what we're talking about today. Just to do a really quick flashback, over the last three or four podcasts here, we began by telling our vision about taking on a county and turning it around, watching the gospel transform a county. And that morphed into what kind of pastor does it take to really be effective? And we have talked about a number of traits, and today we are landing on this subject of grit. Grit, this perseverance, this non-cognitive. It isn't about how smart you are, but it's, it's based on an individual's desire and ability to like show effort when everything goes wrong. And so Mike and Doug, let's just begin with you guys. Is there a time, can you tell us about a time in your ministries where grit ruled the day? Grit mattered more than just about anything else. You mean ministry hasn't gone perfect for us? I'm sorry. That's I thought it would. Yeah, yeah I, guess. I guess it hasn't. Um, and there's there's quite a few stories, but I think there's two that I, I like to like land on that, that show grit for just not myself, but our church as well. I think grit as a pastor showed up this way. So actually on September 22nd, Five years ago now, I got a call at three in the morning. The church building was on fire. And I pulled up the parking lot expecting a minor fire to see flames 10 feet high shooting out of the roof of our building. We had an electrical fire earlier and it had actually been on fire under the ground for four days from Saturday night through Tuesday morning. So we literally had church. You had church? Why the building was on fire. Well, I heard that your church was on fire. Yeah, I tell you. I, I didn't, yeah. For a while we had a rule that no, no worship song with the word fire in it. That became a rule for about a year at <laughs> our church. Certain denominations would never have that problem. Yeah. No wildfire. No. Right, yeah. right. So anyways, yeah. To address me. So it blew up. It exploded. Oh, and, and you have that revelation. It's like, is this it? Like, should we stop? I felt very strongly pushed from the Lord to say, I didn't give you permission to quit. Hmm. I didn't tell you you're allowed to stop. And so I um, pushed on by the grace of God and the miracle that it is. We were allowed to use the high school for free for a whole year. We rebuilt within a year. Um, we were able to see God do miraculous things. 
And I remember getting out of that season thinking, all right, I made my trial. There it is. There, I made my trial. I'll never have another problem again. This is it. Who else is their building burned down and rebuilds? I made it. And about a year or two later, almost a year and a half later, our worship leader develops breast cancer for the second time. And this time there's just no really good ending for it. Mm-hmm. And so on May 1st of that, of that year, we, uh, she passed away. And the Friday before Mother's Day, we, we buried her. We did a funeral and service, an amazing memorial service with like 375 people there and a packed facility, just amazing stuff. I was feeling pretty tired from it, I thought. And I thought, well, here's my next trial, right? Mm-hmm. Well, on Mother's Day that morning, I am preaching and I feel a pain go down from my jaw, down my left arm, all the way down, and I'm realizing I'm having a heart attack as I'm preaching. Yeah. And here's where great and goofiness gets together. I thought, well, there's worse ways to die than um, giving the gospel, so I finished my sermon. Would not recommend that, pastors, by the way. That doesn't make you wise. <laughs> so you're having a heart attack, and, and you're I, up there I, preaching while having a heart attack. Yep, and I finished. Don't do that. By the way, all my advice are... Was going, there an altar call? That's what I want to know. Was yes, there, there was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, there was. I believe so. I don't know. I don't remember the last half of it, to be honest. Wow. Conclusion. Dial my one one. So I walked off and <laughs> told my wife I was having this heart attack. And, and through the heart attack... and. We got through it. God actually saved me. It was one of those things where all the tests were normal, mm-hmm. and they should have sent me home. And a doctor, by the grace of God, said, "No, I don't like it here." So we moved to the big city church, city hospital. That all the tests were normal there. They said we keep it overnight, and they found out my widowmaker was basically 100% blocked. Mm-hmm. Put a stent in it, and I thought, "Okay, I made my trial." And at the end of this, I felt the Lord push on me to say, "You need to change your church." And within two months, we fired every leader in our church and started over, Whoa. and reformed. It was the best decisions we'd always made. So there's never done, is what I'm trying to say. It was one trial to the next, to the oh, next, man. to the next, where we, we really do believe that we're a gritty church. In fact, we, we kind of, if, if we brag one thing, is, is our grit in our church. That's the biggest thing. We've been through fires and deaths and heart attacks hmm. and starting over, and we just continue to go. Yeah, and there's like a number of words that go together there. Grit, perseverance. Just, you know, tenacity. Resiliency. But, yes, resiliency. Yeah. What about you, Doug? I mean, 21 years in rural youth yeah. ministry. Have, <laughs> um, have you ever had times of just tremendous regret ruled the day? Uh, I've had times when I wanted to quit. So I don't know if you'd call it grit or not. At some point, you know, you've worked your way out of any other reasonable job. <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're only suited to do one sort of, thing. Sort of like, right? Jesus, like when Jesus said, are you going to follow me and the disciples? Uh, well, you have the words of life. What else can we do? Right? Right? I can't be a radio DJ. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I mean, so like Mike, I, I've felt over and over again. I think most pastors feel this. Most people feel this. I passed my test. Hey, haven't I proven that I'm here for the long haul? How about making it easy? And God seems to say, no, you're missing the point. The great stuff always comes at the, at the expense of difficulty. And so I've got great stuff for you ahead, which doesn't seem that encouraging now that I say it out loud. I, uh, it was really true. We're here to encourage you, Roll Pastor. Yeah, so <laughs> this is rough. As I, as I said, clinch up legless. So it's my theme in ministry. So I, I think one of the things that I've... I remember a couple scenarios. A, we had a house fire. And I I empathize. There is virtually nothing that can prepare you 
for the the melancholy, the emotion of that. Yes. Um, and and I remember going up to uh, you know one of my daughter's rooms and standing there, and there was a melted doll, mm. and it crushed me. And I and I we'd been working on renovating this house for three years. The night I finished, I I'm, I'm not kidding. The night I finished, I told Dawn tomorrow I'm going to watch TV like normal people. And the very next day at one o'clock, she called me home and said, it's getting smoky in the house. Uh, we had a friend who was a fireman. He came and he, he not just to swap fire stories, but. It, I have a fire story. I, too, I know, but boy. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, there were a bunch of these though. I remember a, a smaller thing. So I'm not going to go large. I'm going to go small because it takes a different kind of grit. And we've gone through large. Uh, Dawn and I went through four months where we didn't receive a paycheck where we were literally praying, Dawn was literally praying, Lord, I don't even have a bar of soap. And uh, a widow lady that she had been working with came with a little bag and it had a bar of soap in it. Dawn said she remembered being angry at God because it was such a literal answer to prayer. <laughs> you know, I know it meant was a bar of gold. Right, I don't have a bar of gold, God. Right. I meant a million more wishes. Is what I meant. <laughs> So the, so I remember at one point early on in the ministry, we basically sold everything and moved to a rural community. We were living in a home um, that we had spent personal cash to, you know, to bring up to living code. And I remember a church sent clothes for our kids, right? And we're not picky. Uh, we live, you know, we live in hand-me-down world anyway, you know, we're ministers, yes. right? Yes. And so I was going through this bag of clothes and I, I pulled out a sweatshirt. I'll never forget this uh, because my response was not grit. My response was again, anger. And I pulled out a Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt and I thought, and it was, it was the perfect size for my, my oldest daughter, Madison, who loved Winnie the Pooh. And I got really excited. I, I was so excited because I'm like, this is a, this is phenomenal. And then I realized that it even had a little push button where it, it had sound, you know, and I pushed the button and nothing happened. And I pushed the button and nothing happened. And I realized it doesn't work for people who aren't doing ministry. So they give it away to people who are. And that was such an angering moment for me. I wasn't thankful. I was angry and I remember telling I remember telling God, isn't my daughter worth your good gifts? Mm. Now that sounds horribly entitled, but I'm just gonna be honest. I mean, that's the way I felt. I was like, don't give us your garbage. Mm. And um there have been times when I've been pretty brash with people. I had a I had a person who one time, again, talking into this grit thing through a series of selfishness. Uh, one time a person said, hey, uh, I know your, your ministry must need computers all the time. And I said, that's fantastic. And yeah, we do. And she said, I just bought a new computer. And I said, that's great. And she said, so I'll bring the old one over to you. And I said, how old is it? And she told me and I said, that's actually too old for us to use. It would have been a better gift if you'd have given us the new one. You told her I that. told her that because I, I'm so tired of Christians who think my junk is God's is God's gold. Well, we all and know we're supposed to send that stuff to Africa, right? Yeah, to <laughs> yeah that's what I do with all my NASCAR shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. 
So I, I again, oh. grit over and over and over again from missed paychecks to, to hard work hours to not seeing fruit to, to having staff leave you at unexpected times. Oh, my goodness. And you're like, are I'm you my story. kidding me? Yes. Yes. And, and people only see the other side of this. And so, like, I'm listening, I've been like, okay, I have 20 years of ministry. Like, you, I mean, you guys, we, we can yeah. tell yeah. all sorts of stories about grit. And so, like, okay, Michael's telling his story about a fire. Do I tell about the story of the fire? <laughs> then, uh, then I'm like, maybe I can tell the story about poverty. Because, you know, uh, even though, like, successful rural ministry, listen, rural pastors just do not make a lot of money. Nope. And so at the beginning of, at the beginning of our, um, our ministry there in Lamont, we went through a time where we were making uh, $275 a week with no health insurance mm. and two little kids. And we had an emergency room visit because Samantha cut her hand and um, we ended up, we didn't realize that because that, it's a small community that if you know you went to collections that it was in the paper yeah. and so it's in the paper that i mean I was, and so i think do i talk about that and then then I, do i talk about a time when staff left and i, I ended up pastoring a church of you know 300 with me yeah and, you know, oh. all that kind of stuff but i, I will tell you um i i'll just tell you there was a, a time there at that beginning when i was making very little money and, and at some point, we need to do a podcast about pastors and money, and maybe I'll bring in my good friend um, uh, into that, uh, Dan Busby, who actually saved my ministry in Lamont um, four years into it. He came. He's the favorite son. Anyway, that's a long story. But he, he came and, and taught them how to pay us so that we weren't yeah. object of poverty. Yeah. And I remember this, this moment. This was around two and a half years into this, and a lot of great things had happened. And there's this old song that, like, I grew up in a church that sang hymns, and there's this song called Living by Faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm living by faith in Jesus alone. I'm, my whole hope is in Jesus. And we had this financial daily pressure on our family. Yeah. And, and yes, we minister to some people who are in poverty, but we also minister to people who think they're poor, but they're not, you know, and... And so you, you, you know, you're like, like you're saying, your kids, you want to take care of your kids. So that financial pressure was there. And I remember driving down the road and saying to God, with that song in my mind, I am tired of living by faith. Yeah. And, and now what I really meant was, I'm tired of living financial crisis to financial crisis mm. to financial crisis. And, and I have to believe God for every bill, every, but that was a long-term grind that really made it difficult for me. And I ended up telling God, I don't want to live by faith anymore. Which, you know, let's go to Hebrews 11 and see where Steve was at that particular moment. I want so, Jacob's wealth. Yes. You know, he's doling out hundreds of goats at a time. Yeah, to, to, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, oh and I, I wonder what happened. <laughs> and, and I'm so tempted to just go down the financial road. But here's the thing I want to ask you guys. And, and we really haven't talked about this question, but this is sort of the question. What is it about rural ministry that requires grit. And I guess, just to be honest, all ministry requires grit, but we're, we're world guys, yep. and we've sort of covered some of them, but what is it that makes grit so important? A, life is harder in rural communities. Tragedy is closer. I, I absolutely believe this. So we all know this in the rural community. When somebody dies, you know them, you know the family, you carry the weight. 
Yes. I mean, every funeral, you're looking at the funeral home going, I wonder who, who I, did I miss something? Yeah. Uh, every sickness, every cancer, every hospital visit, every, it's closer. Yep. And there's, uh, there's an insulation from population mass. I'm insulated because I live in a very small community. I, I, in spite of the fact that cities are large, the communities I choose to live in, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I was a city guy. You pick and you choose your community. We don't. We live with the whole community. Yeah. And because of that, a suicide rocks your world. And it happens more in rural than in cities. Drug addictions happen more in rural than in cities. Especially per capita. Oh, per capita, it's off the charts. And then you know. Less college. So 10% less. I mean, just all the way down the statistics. Heart disease. Higher in rural communities. And I'm, I'm telling you that that's the A, it's tougher to live rural. Yeah. And the resilience and the perseverance, all that kind of stuff. We talked about Crock-Pot last time. That just suggests long term. So things aren't flash in the pan for us. No. It is a grind. There's a grind to rural ministry. You end up doing more. If, mm-hmm. As a rural pastor... You have to be a jack of all trades because every, by the way, every farmer's a jack of all trades. Yeah. Every farmer and rancher I know is actually a brilliant mechanic. Absolutely. Because they, you know, they've <laughs> yeah. got to fix their own stuff. Yeah. And, and they're also brilliant financiers because they've got to decide. I mean, you think about the people mm-hmm. we minister to, they've got to do it all. There's no spe- specialization. I mean, like, and, and if you're a, if you're a, like a big church pastor and, or you're on staff somewhere and you're listening to this, we're not complaining. We're just talking about the differences. Right. If you're in a big mega church, you have a specialty. I'm in charge of the church budget. I'm the CFO of this church, or I'm the ex-cab of this. You know, I'm I'm taking care of just personnel. Well, guess what? I am sometimes sweeping on Sunday morning because someone forgot to, and at the same time that afternoon meeting with a family that lost somebody. And so there's just like this jack-of-all-trades grind that you have that requires grit. Yeah, I mean, it's like shoveling, like I said this last winter before COVID, that I had to shovel the sidewalk. It's snow, and I'm here, you shovel the sidewalk. And the reality of your meetings transitioning differently. Mm. So the grit of it isn't like, you just give a great example. So I sweep the floor, I meet a family who has someone dying. The next breath I meet a couple who's getting married. The next breath I talk about a family with child dedication. The next breath I talk about someone their finances. The next breath I talk about someone yep. whose marriage is on the rocks. The next breath I talk about someone who's thinking about leaving the church. The next time I talk about someone who's coming to the church. And all that can happen, by the way, within 24 hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, well, you're reborn every time you visit a new baby. Yes. And you die a little bit every time you're at a bedside of a, I mean, yeah. a rural pastor is right there for that grind. And, and that takes incredible grit. Farmers are gritty people. Oh. I mean, they have to be. And anybody that farms or ranches, it, it takes a lot of grit and perseverance. It takes everything you have. And I think, personally, as a rural pastor, that jack of all trades, that transitioning, why we feel tired, and the number one thing I hear from pastors is I'm tired. Yeah. And, and I think part of the reality is, is understanding the balance and rhythm that we talked about before. But that grittiness allows you to carry the day to the next day, knowing that Jesus is for you. Because I think we forget that sometimes this whole thing. Yeah. And understanding that, that true grit that, hey, I believe at the end of the day, just like in Hebrews 12, 
I believe that faith will carry me through. And 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 I'm because at the end of the day, we're not going to seal the promises, but we're going to live in a grit. But 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 here's the beauty of the grit that I'm going to tell for every real pastor: if you stick long term in a community and you invest, you will see things you never see in an urban setting. Yep. Right. You experience someone all the way through the journey of their life. You get to be involved in people's lives at a level and an investment you'll never dream of before. And some of that happens in urban, but but less in suburban where you have an upwardly mobile. Well, and some, it does happen. Society, right? My urban friends, I would agree. But yeah. just taking that grit, you know, Doug, I, I think it really matters that you understand that it, there is an inv- there is a payoff. It's just yeah. not the payoff you think. Yeah, so listen to this. Uh, so 2 Timothy 2, you guys know the passage, verse 3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This is an injunction not just to Timothy, who's the pastor, yes. but this is an injunction to Christians. Why should we expect for it to be harder? Because life is harder. We need to be tough if we're working in a place that's tough. Absolutely. And I think we all probably know somebody who's just a little soft and they either get flushed out or, or, or they toughen up. Well, and that's, you know, I, I see right now a lot of pastors resigning across the country. I, I don't know if it's Barnum, but the last research I read is 1,500 pastors a month are now quitting across. And that's across, that's not rural, but across the board. 1,500 mm-hmm. pastors a month since COVID started quitting. It's not a horrible average. And part of the reason I think is that grittiness to get you through this. No, you trust God's goodness. Grit also entails that you trust God's goodness yeah. in this. And I just had a pastor I talked to, a friend of mine who just recently resigned. And one of the things that I notice in him is his expectation of what he should receive, mm. not what he should give. Yeah. And that's usually have a martyr complex. I don't want to like yeah. get people lost in that. Right. You do deserve good gifts from God, yes, but not the way we envision it. And there's a, a long-term grit in that that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking too, um, no praise, and that might be the, the wrong way to say this, but because we're sort of like in this hidden mission field, you don't, you don't always hear the cheering. Right. You don't always hear the encouraging. Right. And so that grit, sometimes, I think of that scripture where David... Always, always in, in like quotation marks. Yes. Always, uh, meaning never. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah. But I think of where David had to encourage himself. Yes. You know, because no one was there to, to, to encourage him. And there's the loneliness factor. There's the, I don't, you know, how do I, how do I develop a Sabbath? So, I mean, some of us, I mean, this is a complicated issue. But when you think of those who are used by God, Noah, 120 years building the ark. Abraham and Sarah, how many years did they? I mean, there's grit in Jacob's story, Joseph's story, Moses' story. There is grit. And what I think we're saying is that to really be successful in world ministry, you have to have a tenaciousness, a perseverant tenaciousness that's going to get the job done. You know, I had a pastor friend of mine talk about Revelation in the very different beginning of Revelation. I'm not, don't panic here. We're not going to talk end times. But um, the, the reality is... It feels like end times. Well, so right yeah, if you feel it right now, <laughs> I, I don't blame you. But we read the beginning of Revelation that John is praying in the, on the Lord's Day, praying the Sabbath. What you don't hear in the beginning of it is what I think I might have prayed for there at one point in my life is, Lord, get me off this island. Where is the boat? Yes. I've been faithful. I've been the one, the disciple mm-hmm. whom you love. Where is my shot off this? He's not praying that. And the reason I think he's not praying that is not just trust in Jesus, because that's a truth, but I think there's a grit to John by that point. Remember, he's really reactive at the beginning. He's, uh, Son of Thunder is not a compliment for the record. It was like right. he had an anger issue. Yes. He wanted things to happen to him. Now, like, let's call down fire on those people. Yes. And he goes by the end and he has this idea of like the value 
of yes. the grit of the long term of ministry. So here's my question: Why? I mean, all right, we've established you have to have it. All right, why? <laughs> I mean, isn't there a simpler ministry somewhere that I can take that takes less grit? Uh, and maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. I'm not an expert, but I, I do know that there, there are a couple thoughts. First of all, there is benefit to grit. Mm. Um, and I don't want to undersell that. God knows what he's doing and he refines by fire. So I know that in every situation where, I, where we came under duress or difficulty or struggle, it did test our faith. It did grow us up and it created a tougher, uh, a tougher commitment to the ministry. I also know that excellence is harder. It's harder to come by and it's harder to maintain. Yeah. And if it's harder, then it's harder. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Otherwise, everything would be easy and excellent and fantastic. Well, it's and, not... and I know you've seen that it actually strives for excellence. You know, the ones that do successful in business or in sports or music, there's a greatness because there's a benefit to that. They never, oh, the first idea worked, the first moment worked. And I had made my billion dollars. Life was great yes. and perfect. And I think in ministry is the same reality. Like mm -hmm. it takes time. Every one of us have a part of a story where we had, we've had to struggle. And uh. We've had that moment because he's creating something inside of us. The benefit isn't just an external reality of excellence, mm -hmm. but an excellence inside of us where we flow into health. Because uh -huh. excellence, if you're not healthy, you won't maintain excellence. Right? You can have a yeah. flash in the pride. Right. But long-term excellence takes an internal health. That yes. grit, I think, really is a benefit too, right? Yeah. And yeah. grit acts. Yeah. Grit takes action when you don't feel like action. When when normally you'd be discouraged. When it's I'm tired, I keep going. And so, what I'd like to do, we're, we're you know beginning to hear the cows come home. We and, are. And we we need to wrap this up real quick. But you know, right now, it just seems like to me this has been a horrendous time in ministry. I think. Yeah. The need for grit has never been greater. And I know every one of us as pastors can quote the passage I'm about to read. Okay, I know that. But real pastor, this is for you today. It, we, we understand this has been tough. But we just want to tell you, we all have, we have almost 60 years of combined ministry, rural ministry in this room. Okay, never mind. I'm depressed now. We're old. Oh. Okay, that's what that means. But... This, this verse is for you as we wrap up today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. And I'm just going to insert the Dirt Roads podcast version of this, the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. Let us run with grit the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter or completer of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And, and here's the thing, Royal Pastor, you are worn out today. If you're like us, you're tired. You know, this is the time where your grit is being tested. Lift up your eyes. God called you to this community. This community needs you now more than ever. Rather than resigning, okay, I'm just going to say it. You guys know what I'm going to say. Rather than resigning, resign. 
Put yourself back into it. Determine to be a person of grit and lead with courage. Fix your eyes on Jesus, your old pastor, and show some grit. It will reap eternal benefits for you. Hey, thank you so much. We'll come back next time and continue on some of these subjects, but we just want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And we would love to hear from you, by the way. If there's if there's a subject you'd like for us to speak about or talk about, uh, just shoot it our way. We would love to hear from you. But thank you for joining the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast today. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. Happy trails.